Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the Baptism of Our Lord, the first Sunday after Epiphany for the week of January 8th, 2023. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we're in the season of Epiphany. Epiphany always lands on the 6th of January after we've gotten through the 12 days of Christmas, but this is just kind of a fun season as we are seeking after the light of God and we'll be in this epiphany season for a short period of time with then the transfiguration at the end of it leading us right into Lent. But before we get ahead of ourselves, we have to look at the question that we had for last week, which was, how are you going to welcome the quote, other And I think this is something that we have to be consciously aware of. I think it's a point of how do we actively work on this? It's one of those things in life that we have to constantly be growing. And it's one of these ways within life that I feel is like our faith, that as we grow and deepen our own faith, we then have to learn and understand the different parts and facets of it that constantly need to be improved upon. And a lot of times that also means being able to look outside ourselves. And a lot of times the other is someone that doesn't look like me in some form or fashion and figuring out how do I interact with that. And especially as we are the body of Christ, learning how to interact with that and better understand that is vital for us to be able to grow in the faith and vital for us to be able to become the people that God has called us into being. And as I kind of mentioned a little bit over the last couple weeks, I'm recording this ahead of time. I actually currently at the moment am still in 2022. So I'm sorry I wasn't able to get all the responses, but next week we should be able to have all the responses. So I'm really looking forward to hearing all your responses here in 2023. So let's just jump into it. The Old Testament text this week is from Isaiah chapter 42, the first nine verses. This is from my Harper Study Bible talking about the servant, looking at the servant as Israel and how they are a chosen servant, that they are still being heard. They might be going through difficulties, but yet they aren't defeated. He will not grow faint or be crushed under the established justice of the earth, and the coastlines will wait for his teaching. Coming from verse 4, this idea of how this servant is waiting on something that's greater and recognizing that as the Lord. And realizing that it's the Lord who is going to give the glory and praise that is due, not anything else. And recognizing that as something to really be striving toward. The psalm this week then that ties in with that is Psalm 29. Honestly, I don't necessarily have a ton of favorite psalms, but I know I've covered this psalm multiple times. And I really enjoy this psalm, partially, I think, because of the imagery. And this psalm is recognizing the power of God, the strength of God, the voice of God, and what God can do. So like I've talked about before, coming from verse 6, making Lebanon skip like a calf or Cyrene like a young wild ox. I've attached videos before and I can look for some and attach some videos down below of what that looks like. I've also talked about in the past on how the cedars of Lebanon aren't necessarily a super strong tree, but again, the breaking of these 
perceived trees and it's actually still the tree that's on the flag of Lebanon. I've also talked about how in the years past, coming from verse 9, how the voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl, which then is causing that to be more energy dense, thus meaning that there's a lot of energy that goes into a lot of strength that goes into making a world to concentrate those rings so tightly to compress those rings in a way that's just the power that's within that it's this recognition as we are looking in how god shakes the wilderness coming from verse 8 this idea of how powerful god really is and i think at times especially and the world in which we're in, we easily forget this and trying to recognize the power of what God is doing. The New Testament text this week is out of Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 43. And this is a powerful speech that we have from Peter here where you can tell the Holy Spirit has fallen upon Peter. And this recognition of what was Christ sent here to do to spread the message through Judea, beginning in Galilee with the baptism, and essentially going through Jesus' ministry and what Jesus did, witnessing and being God on the ground in and amongst us. And yet Jesus died. God then raised him on the third day, and in doing that has overcame death. And we are here to testify to the truth that, that we have been able to see through living through this. And at this point, again, remember a lot of these people who are here with the Acts of the Apostles knew Jesus personally, had gone through that, or knew plenty of people, the firsthand accounts of Jesus. And so here it is, Peter laying out what the ministry is going to look like for the future and recognizing that this isn't some fairy tale. This is the power of what Christ did and what that looks like in the world in and amongst us. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. This is where we get the baptism of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. So Jesus goes to Galilee and meets John at the Jordan and asks him to baptize him. John is immediately hesitant upon this, and Jesus reassures him that, no, this is to fulfill what has been stated before. As we've stated before with Matthew, Matthew is constantly about reassuring back to this is the fulfillment of what has been said before. And verse 16 and 17 are kind of the meat and potatoes of this text. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him. He saw the great spirit of God descending like a dove and enlightened on him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. And so this idea then of, in a way, God touching not only Jesus, but touching us in a way in this recognition of how we are connected and we are together and I am hearing you. I am here. I am seeing all this. I am with you in this time. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug full. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm the ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to look at different commentaries or discussions, different ideas to be able to look at. Heck, on a week like this where I'm recording 
way ahead of where they're at. I can look back in the archive and look at what they've talked about before. It's one of the beautiful things that they have built over there. And it's one of the things that I hope that it can be continuing building over here. But if you haven't checked out workingbreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library to look at the Revised Common Lecture, which I go through week after week, and I love how Vanderbilt lays out these texts. It's one of the greatest things with it. But additionally, they attach art, prayers, hymns, colors, all the different things to be able to help run your service or help be more informed or even just look at how are other people interpreting this text artistically. And that can be super helpful to give some different ideas on where to be going with these different texts. So if you haven't checked out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library with the Revised Common Lectionary, I'd highly recommend that also. Whenever we have the baptism of Jesus, it is extremely easy to go into talking about water. And we will talk about water this week because, one, it's there. It's a sitting duck to say. I mean, it's right there. And water is such a fascinating thing when you really look at it. And especially from a biology standpoint, there's so many rules that it breaks that in doing so, it makes it feel special, which helps the case that it has of being the material that we use for baptism to show this amazing thing that God created that works differently than most things. And it does some things that are pretty unique to recognize that this is a transformation piece within us is super awesome. And I really enjoy thinking about that part of it. As I kind of stated as I was going through Psalm 29, I'll attach some additional links down below. But I think it is also important to think about the strength of like an oak and how strong an oak is. And I've talked about that before and the energy it would take to make these things whirl and recognizing the strength of God. And I think when we start looking at things from the strength of God and what God has done, we see that in Acts where God descending and being able to fill Peter with the Holy Spirit here to show and lay out beautifully what God did, the strength that it took even though it was difficult. Or even in the Isaiah text of, I have not forgotten you, I will lay this out. And yes, this is why we give praise to God because God doesn't forget these covenants that he makes with his people, that he's willing to walk through that. The strength that that takes, I think, is worth recognizing a little bit this week. So let's talk a little bit about that. But before we get to that, I feel like we need to just cover some basic ground on what makes water incredible. And so one of the things that we have to understand is that it is a polar molecule, which means that there are positive ends and negative ends to water. So remember, water is two hydrogens and one oxygen. And in order for that to happen, the hydrogens want to complete the shell of electrons around the oxygen by adding their hydrogens to that. And in doing that, it kind of creates a little bit of a positive charge on that side because it has more on that side and thus pulling things from the other side, which then creates a negative end. And as you've learned as a kid, opposites attract, which means that there's a lot of adhesion within polar molecules, thus making it so that it's really sticky to itself. 
Hence why you can look at how like water can, if you dip like a paper towel into a glass of water, but you know, right at the surface, you'll watch the water like climb. It's the stickiness of water will allow it to kind of defy gravity and climb up that piece of paper to some extent. Or if you've ever done the experiment of dropping water on top of a penny and where you can see that it's actually like doming up above the penny and even off the edges before it just finally lets go, the stickiness of water is quite amazing. And additionally to that, one of the things that makes water such an amazing thing is that having this molecule that is able to regulate so much heat. It's one of the things that is super important and why we're made up so much of water is that it does it helps balance heat and helps kind of keep things regulated and thus water within the ocean helps control a lot of temperature too and so it can act as a carbon sink to warm the water but to help maintain things. That's why it takes so much energy to be put into water to make it boil, why it takes in Fahrenheit, you know, 212 degrees Fahrenheit or 100 degrees Celsius to get water to boil. It's a lot of energy because it can take in a lot of heat before it finally needs to let go of it. But again, one of the also extremely unique properties of water is that when it freezes and becomes ice, becomes less dense, which is atypical, very atypical, thus making that it floats. And by having it float and being less dense, it allows for life to happen. Because if we think about if lakes froze from the bottom up, it would make it very difficult for fish to be able to survive. So there's a lot of real cool subtleties within water in and of itself not even getting into the aspects of how it can dissolve things quite well and is just a great solvent in a lot of ways. It's not a universal solvent, but it really helps in a lot of ways with breaking things down or helps me separate things out. If you, you know, think about it, if you just need to get your dirt off your hands, you quickly run them under water and how much water will dissolve or take away a lot of the dirt off your hands, it's because it's this great solvent. It's not the universal solvent, but it takes care of a lot of different things and helps break down a lot of different things. From washing our hands to making Kool-Aid, it's quite amazing. One of the other things, though, that I think it's easy for us to forget about, though, is the absolute power that water has. And one of the things that I just find absolutely hard to even wrap my head around is the Hoover Dam in and of itself. The Hoover Dam every year produces 4 billion kilowatt hours of hydroelectric power, which is a dam that's on the border of Nevada and Arizona and California right there, which is supplied by Lake Mead. And we've talked about how Mead is dropping and how this is causing some issues potentially for Hoover Dam. But on a typical year, the amount of energy is 4 billion kilowatt hours, which then serves 1.3 million people within Nevada, Arizona, and California. 
So it's amazing how we're able to make something like that create so much energy, create so much power. I mean, if you think about just a waterfall in general, especially if you start getting some bigger waterfalls, especially with decent amounts of flow over them, you can hear the power. You can see the power. They'll talk about if the river gets high, how dangerous it actually can be. But if you think of places like Niagara Falls and the border of Canada and the United States or a lot of these other great waterfalls, they're so powerful and the amount of power and they talk about the undertoes that they can create when the water hits underneath and the turning that it, it creates. Or even if you think about rocks, if you've ever gone into somewhere where there is moving current. You can tell if a rock has been there for a long period of time because typically if it's been there for a while, it's very smooth because the water has moved over it, removing those rough edges. Hence, if you are into like polishing gemstones, there's typically the tumbler, which they put a little gravel and grit in there, but it's then water that is moving it around to causing that gravel and grit to keep bumping up against itself to smooth things out, to take out the impurities, but also the water helping to carry all that to make some of that possible. Sometimes it's just sand, but sometimes it actually still is using that water to help generate some power. There's a lot of power in that. The other thing I think about too is when it freezes, the amount of power that can happen. As I'm recording this, it's right around Christmas time. And if we remember back to that period of time, all the different power outages that we had in the eastern United States because of snow and ice. The amount of damage that I've seen and witnessed myself with lake ice being blown and then the pure power that's within that ice even just the simple thing of growing up where if you had an ice cream pail filled with water for maybe the, a pet or something like that and suddenly it freezes overnight how it can split open these different things or when we being in the northern United States and the northern part of the globe of the northern hemisphere one of the other things we talk about too is how deep is the frost getting based on if there's enough snow cover or not, but how that, if it gets deep enough and you don't have good snow cover, how it can start busting pipes, how ice has that strength to be able to do that. As it turns into its other forms, it's the same way. We know that steam can be extremely powerful. It can create essentially small bombs, hence why we have pressure relief valves to let steam out when the pressure is being built up too much. And yet you still have that being a whole nother heating source. Where I went to college, there was actually a substantial amount of the heating came from steam at Concordia College in Moorhead using steam. And a heck, if you look at least here in the United States, the initial steam engines and steam vehicles were a major part of transportation using this amazing molecule as the power source for these vehicles and modes of transportation. And I think when we are literally have so much of our body as water and we consume so much water, we forget about the power of what it can actually do. And when we look at the waters of baptism and what Christ is doing and laying out here, Especially if we've been raised in the church, I think it's really easy for us to overlook the power of what this is. 
the power of this being an amazing dissolver and dissolving away all the things that separate us from God. And yet then we have this image of how God is noticing Jesus and wanting to see that, yes, I see this and I'm also wanting to establish this relationship, but wiping Jesus clean. This idea of the power of what this water not only symbolizes, but what it's actually doing. The power of what that water in the Jordan has actually done in movement of the water in and of itself and the power that is. The sad thing, and I'll attach some links down below, that the River Jordan is actually having more and more issues with not having good flow. It's kind of starting to fade away and it's actually a pretty dirty river now. But we know what the power of water is and how important it is within our society and within our world. But I think it also shouldn't just be this symbol but I think it should also be this empowering thing that this is what's helped moving us forward. This is something that it's so powerful. It's such an amazing thing within our world that water is a major part of it and that we all need this water in order for us to live. And then God goes and meets us where we're at and shows us that I not only created this amazing molecule and this amazing substance of water for your sustenance, but also this ability to see that I'm going to use this as a symbol of what I can do. And then you can use it on a day-to-day -day basis in a way to help remind you, not just at baptism, but in a day-to-day -day life that this is what I'm doing for you. How often do we, when we're washing our hands, think about the forgiveness of sins? That this is what God does for us in baptism day after day after day of wiping our hands clean time after time. How many times when we take that cold drink of water on that hot summer day, do we look at the sustenance of what the water is and how it refills us and replenishes us? Do we really think about how much God does that for us day after day and what the cross did for us and what God is trying to do with this relationship that he has with us. How often when we're taking that hot steamy shower and the pores of our skin is being opened up so that it allows us on those days where we maybe have some congestion to be able to feel like we're breathing, recognizing that the steam and the water that what baptism does, it opens up our pores to be able to breathe in the Holy Spirit so that we can embody that within us. The power of what water can do to be able to take a sharp edged stone and over a period of time make it smooth, being a major source of having the other rocks and pebbles and stones to rub up against it and having that current, like what God does for us in baptism to be able to welcome us into the family and have the other members of the family rub off on us to be able to better understand and be better part of the river of God, if you want to put it in that way, to better be more like what God is creating us to be, not have these necessarily sharp edges, but these round, smooth edges to be able to tumble along where the water brings us, to be a vessel and where God is taking us. 
And I think that's where the Acts reading plays into that really well. And the Isaiah text reminding us that that's what it is. It all kind of comes back to the gospel and the psalm of the power of God, the power of who God is, and actually giving the time and the space for that, recognizing the power of what water is within that, being able to recognize how it is able to help wash us clean so easily, where we don't have to think about it that hard. We don't have to worry about it not being safe, typically. It's the other microbes and stuff that can get into water that make it more unsafe. But I think the question for this week is simple. How often, when you interact with water, do you think about baptism and your forgiveness? How often, when you interact with water, do you think about your baptism and forgiveness? Because in those waters of baptism, we become a new person. We become welcomed into the family of God. And I think that's one of the things that it's so easy for us to overlook. But it is an amazing ability of what baptism is about. This welcoming in, this cleansing of us. But in that, recognizing the power that that also means too. The power to have that water be able to wipe us clean day after day, time after time, to wear down those hard edges, to be able to be used to create great power is absolutely impressive. Using water where we're able to see all three physical forms quite easily within our lives, to recognize the different ways in which God works so easily, and each of them having different powers and abilities to still be able to show its strength. And us being able to recognize that and the ability of that. Recognize that our God isn't necessarily limited by temperature that causes these things to change. Just because I'm not liquid water doesn't mean that I don't have power in a frozen form. Doesn't mean I don't have power in a steam form. I think that's something that's really important for us. I think it's very powerful to be thinking about that we have this ability that God has given us to be able to see what God is willing to do for us and has done for us and wants us to be part of this family and this easy recognition of how we are wiped clean day after day. This to me is so amazing. It's so powerful. And that's why when we get to the baptism of Jesus every year, we end up talking about water. We end up spending some time thinking about it because we really don't think about it enough. This image of water helps us really understand God and the properties of God because as we break down the properties of water, we start seeing the properties of how we understand God. There's still plenty of questions that we don't fully understand with water, like why is ice slippery? There's whole studies and we haven't been able to figure that all out. But we do know when you take that solid and compress it, boy, as it gets slick, but it also gets stronger. There's so many things within our lives that we can relate to that in. When things get tough, that we still get stronger even if we don't understand it initially. The mystery of God within water, I think, is very powerful. And just like many things, we need water to be able to live, to be able to grow, just like plants. And I think our faith is the same way. We need to make sure that we're giving it that time to be able to grow. And so when we're in this season, when we're in this part of life, 
I pray that you look at and be able to spend some time with water and recognize the power that's in it. Because the power that's within that is also the power that is within our baptism. And once we start being able to see that and understand that, that's when we start opening up our eyes to being able to see the power of God within our creation. And that's when we start opening up our eyes and seeing the world as a scientist, as a biologist, as an environmentalist, and start seeing God in and amongst us all over the place, just as we are told that God is. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.